If you're easily offended by foul language and adult content, you should probably stop listening about now. As for the rest of you, I can promise that we'll be regularly saying words like and so if you stay, here we go. Black men ain't shit. Black men ain't shit. Yes, my name is Hugh, also known as I'm the Buddha? Beard, I guess. Oh, I'm sorry, Buddha. Oh, my bad. I thought that break was a chance for me to talk. I, I kind of forgot that it's called like Black Man Ain't Shit with Buddha and the Beard. So like, I figured yeah, I should. Yeah, you forget the title of your own show, yeah, man. Yeah, like, come I'm on, I'm a little man. rusty. I'm a little rusty. That's that's Hugh, aka Black Bourdain. Hey. You said it. I'm <laughs> no, so proud I still of you. haven't heard okay. anyone call you that. I, listen. I'm just trying to help out. I'm care. being supportive of I appreciate of your, of your that. Name. It, it starts with one, okay? Normally within, right? <laughs> right, right. And that is Unstoppable Buddha, also known as Johnny Buddha, also known as Johnny Walker, formerly known as what, Lunar Mantis, also known as... <laughs> <laughs> I've had so many changes in my art, but... Unstoppable Buddha is my final form. I promise y'all. Yes, I'm I'm done with yes. it. Yes, yes, yes. But yes, it is I. What's up, y'all? Yeah. Good morning. Yeah, hope y'all are doing well. Uh, y'all look good today. Oh my god! Here we are with another episode. Uh, today is gonna be a special one. All of them are really special ones. But I think this is gonna be our best episode ever. Hope so. Yeah, that's good. That's good to start off on. I, I like that be. energy. I know it will be. I know it will be. Yeah, we're joined by a very special guest. I would go into the introductions of this person, but you know what? That would be selfish of me. All right, because there's a person in here that knows him much better than I do, aside <laughs> from himself. So, you know, actually, pass the reins over to you, Mr. Buddha. Okay, cool. All right. Oh, I give up. This is my first intro, y'all. Wish me luck. Yeah, don't fuck okay, this up, so, okay? <laughs> I'll try not to. My youth is intertwined with this dude so much. We're brothers. His mother is my godmother. His father is my godfather. My art life started with this guest. It's been it, like it's just we knew we were artists from day one, and we just cultivated each other's arts in in different ways. And without further ado, super proud of this guy. He's still an artist. He's everything he's ever said he wanted to do. He's done. He's been writing for years. He's been acting for years. He's been putting people on for years. He is a huge part of my life. Huge part of my family. None other than Keenan Scott. My bro, you can actually speak now. That was a really long one. I hope I did good, no, no, y'all. I appreciate Keenan, that. Keenan Scott the second. <laughs> yeah, the second. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Keenan Scott's my godfather. This is Keenan Scott the second. For sure, for sure. Yeah, listen, man, I, I appreciate that intro, man. It's it's uh to to start off down memory lane. You know, what I mean, I'm sure we'll get in more detail about yeah. that. But uh, but yeah, man, it's, it's it's good to be here. Yo, it's a blessing, man. And and I, I thank you so I, much. I, man. I love seeing what y'all are doing. You know what I mean? Building a platform on all the all that good shit. So um, it's it's good to be here, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for being on our show, man. If you don't know him by now, you're going to be really happy you listen to this episode, for sure. Right, right. So, Keenan, you're here for a lot of reasons. Like, aside from knowing Johnny, like, there's a lot of parts of your life that I think really intersect with what we're hoping to do here yeah. on the show. But as you would introduce yourself, Keenan Scott II, who are you? What do you do? I, I, you're a multi-hyphenate. I don't want to take your thunder. I'd rather you say it rather than Word. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I, I just like to tell people um, I'm an artist. You know what I mean? I'm a, I'm an artist. And first and foremost, like Johnny said, you know, our origin was storytelling. You know, whether we was playing with our action figures, drawing comics, we we were storytellers. We didn't know it, but we we created characters. We created stories. We created the first two black Spider-Man. Yeah, I remember that. Yo, I wish we, <laughs> Before yo, Miles I wish we still had that. That was years ago. <laughs> and you know what's crazy? The suit, my suit was black, bro. I know. I forgot what color mine was, <laughs> but I remember we did it on like that. That funky elementary school construction paper. 
and we yep. stapled it. We yeah, had it was novels. It was, it was serious. Um, but no, hard. I like to tell people I'm an artist and I'm a storyteller. So, which means um, I like to tell stories in all mediums. You know, whether that's the stage, TV, film, music. I'm a visual artist as well, so I paint. Um, so I'm just I'm just an overall artist and storyteller. And I don't like to box myself in. I know to your casual viewer, they like to do that, but really for me, I just like to tell stories in different mediums and. Throughout my life, I've always tried to add another like artistic ability, right? Whether that's trying to teach myself acoustic guitar, which that failed, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I have one right well, now. Well, well, whatever it is, if it has some type of artistic angle into it, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to figure it out. So I'm I'm just an artist. Love yeah. to hear it. Love to hear it. The funny thing about artists, so something that I've noticed uh, across time is uh, people use art uh, as an extension of their voice and their experiences, yeah. right? So can you talk a little bit about what you got you started in being an artist? Like clearly y'all y'all have y'all background making the Spider-Man yeah. comics, which you guys should get royalties for. I'm all for we will start <laughs> I mean, the campaign. Yo, yo, facts, 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 can yeah. we run that check, all right? But you grew up in the projects, yeah. you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like clearly you've made it a long way from there. What first inspired you to say, I'm gonna start writing these feelings down? <laughs> uh so so after that point, so so to what Johnny said with his intro. It's funny, we both left the projects around the same age, but I left like I think like a year or two after him. He had moved yeah. to Elmont before me. We end up actually moving to Southern Maryland outside of DC, um, to Waldorf. So it's a suburb outside of DC. Uh growing up, Johnny knows this. Uh with friends, I'm good, but I'm I, I grew up, you know, a shy kid. You know what I mean? I'm I'm not I'm not the super extrovert. I know I I'm a performer and all of that now, but you know, uh I don't have stage fright. But you know, I grew up, you know, on a quiet side, shy, good around family and friends, but you know, I, I I'm you know pretty much reserved in that manner. So um a lot was going on in my life, a lot was being revealed to me and things of that nature, and not really understanding my emotions, I started writing, right? So I started writing poetry to myself. You know, Johnny was at the same time, which is weird. Me and Johnny always kind of on the same artistic journey. Johnny was starting to make music. My boys was making music. So when I would visit Elmont, he would be trying to make music, writing lyrics. So I was like, Johnny writing lyrics? I'm writing lyrics. You know, I'm trying. So <laughs> it kind of came at the same time. So I would say that's around like probably 13, 14, yeah. um, kind of like trying to have my hand at, you know, like putting songs together, not really knowing what I'm doing, but putting songs together, writing poetry. We had many freestyle Yeah, freestyle, and I, and I was horrible. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, it started writing poetry and things like that. Something I kept to myself, you know, that classic story. I had my own journal. Nobody knew I'm a ball player. So it's not like, hey, I play basketball and I'm a poet, guys. Like, it didn't work like that. You know what I mean? So nah, um, <laughs> in about two years into that, I'm 15. I have an older sister, three years older than me. So she had a boyfriend at the time. They started getting into like the DC scene. So they're 18. He he was the kind of like that guy that was like, in a, we used to go to open mics and things like that. So he wanted to perform. He was scared to do it by himself. So, you know, um, my sister's boyfriend, since he would be in the house, he would see me writing. So he was really the only one that really actually would see me writing because it, it wasn't like a public or thing that I was putting out to the masses. Like, oh, I'm a writer, everybody. So he was scared. So he brought me with him. He was like, yo, I see you writing around the house. Mind you, I never performed a day in my life. Never thought about it. Was not my thing, like, at all. And I'm like, you know, you know, when, when somebody's older, you always want to look cool and, and down or whatever. So I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll go you know, scared as shit. So he took me with him to the open mic. And in DC, I think in most, in most poetry venues, they, they call it losing your virginity, right? On the mic, the first time you perform. So that's what they used to right. say back then. I don't know if they still do it now, but um, so this is, you got to figure I'm, I'm 15. So this is what? Oh, one, if I'm doing my math right. Oh, one, oh, two. So this is very early on deaf poetry jam, maybe like a season or two in. 
And he brings me, whatever the case may be. I never forget. It was, it, it was a Spanish woman. And I say woman because everybody in there was 20, 30 plus. I'm 15, baby faced. And she went and she was the illest of the night. Like best poet I ever heard in my life at that point. She was grown. She was beautiful. And they they called. So you you just lost your stage virginity that day? Because it sounded like something nah, else nah, right nah, now. No, 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 no. Definitely not that. <laughs> Where are we going nah, with definitely this? Not <laughs> that. I, I put that all in context to say when you had your name Got on the it. list, they called you randomly. And I'm praying in my seat, like, please do not call my name after her. Like, do not call me. Sure enough, they call my name. I'm like, oh, yo. God, I'm, God I'm works, like, man. I'm like, yo. So I go up there. My poem is super basic, super elementary, super in rhymey, A, B, A, B. One fish, two fish. It was very, it was very basic. Got up there. So nervous. My eyes was closed. So I couldn't see the audience. You know what I'm saying? And I forget my poem on stage. And then I opened my eyes. It seemed like the crowd like multiplied. Like it seemed like it was like, it was probably like 60 people in there, but it seemed like it was like 500. I'm like, yo, this is so, and then I'm young. Right. So all the women are like, go ahead, baby. You got it. Like keep, keep, keep going. So, so I'm like, I'm like, yo, so I just got babied on stage. So, you know, <laughs> I had to start the poem over because, mind you, the only way I could do it is if I started back from the top because that's how I, I remembered right, it. You can't just yeah, jump I couldn't in, just right. jump in. So I started over. Oh, horrible, horrible! Damn near cried on stage. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I get off. I'm I'm pissed. I go sit in the back of the venue or whatever. Go home that night, and I never forget my sister. Like, oh, you you you'll get them next time. In my mind, I'm like, I'm never doing that shit again. Like this this is, <laughs> this is it. This is a first and last time for me. But you know, I'm very competitive. You know what I mean? I did play sports. So I'm like, oh, nah, I'm not going out like that. You know what I mean? I don't know how I'm going back, right. but I'm not going out like that. So for the next several months, what I did was I started studying. So I I, I went to, you know, uh, the, 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 the local uh, uh, DVD VHS store. You know what I mean? And and to, that's how far back you, this was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and somebody was like, yo, you don't know what Deaf Poetry Jam is? Like you a poet. You gotta know what that is. So I go to that. So they got two seasons. So I bought the first two se- uh DVD seasons of Deaf Poetry Jam study. Remembered all the poets. All um that's when I got introduced to uh already know who most deaf was, of course. Black on both already came out. Black Star was already out, but that's when I got introduced to poets like Lemon Anderson, which is now a friend of mine, which is crazy. Um, black, black ice, a lot of poets from that time, black Picasso, George and me. So I started getting introduced to these poets and I studied them. I also, this is when ironically at the same time, Mook started getting big with the underground rap with, with, with the, with the black market kind of DVDs that you would get from, you know what I'm saying? On, 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 on the barbershops, barbershops, the Av for me and Johnny, the Av, you know, whatever the case may be. So I'm coming back and I was on the Av too. Yeah, he was. Got my beef patties from the same spot. I apologize. I just got a beef patty a week ago from there. So listen, so, so I'm, so now I'm doing that, right? I'm coming back and forth to New York. I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting the black market DVDs. I'm getting them sent to me. My boys are getting them in DC. So now I'm studying battle rap. I'm studying Mook. I'm studying, you know, that that battle he had with Party Artie. Um, I'm studying Classic. I'm studying Philly, Philly battle rappers heavy. So between New York and Philly, I think for me at that time, they was the best. Period. Like I yeah, I, I couldn't really de- yeah, ways. I couldn't really decide. Of course, I'm biased towards New York rappers, but Philly, yeah, they was Philly they was they was in. going in. Cause that's like I think for me, 
I wouldn't say that's more of their culture because clearly that culture started in New York, but I think they took that underground battle rap to, to like a, a different kind of angle, right? Yeah, they made it their Right, own. so now I'm yeah. studying them. So I, I, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to build up my personality, my confidence, my moxie, all of that on stage because I had no stage presence. I didn't know how to move my hands. I'm like, yo, what am I doing? So, so I did that for several months. Now I turn 16. Now I go back to DC to redeem myself, but I go to a way smaller spot. It was like... <laughs> Lot of you not, it was like eight, ten people there that night. Like, you know, I went to a, a very small spot, um, hole in the wall spot in DC. I forgot the name of it. Went back and I killed it. So now I'm like, all right, cool. I redeemed myself. And to see their reaction, it was literally only 10 people. Like, it was probably like cafeteria chairs. Like it was, it was like whole hole in the wall. So I killed it and everybody was talking to me. Oh, like, oh, how old are you? Cause clearly I look super young. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so now. I get my confidence like, all right, cool. If they liked it, let me, let me, let me go to another club with some more people, see if they like it too. So now I'm now what they call I'm bit by the bug. Like it's a high now. Right. So ironically at the same time, at the, at at the same time, I played ball heavy. I played ball year round. I think it was an issue between, you know, my coach and I, I get cut from my team in high school. So now it's like, what do I do? I, I go home. So now I got all this time on my hands ironically it's like these these roads you know converged at the same time so now i'm like yo i'm coming home i don't know what to do with myself because i'm i'm i play sports year around and that's the still so now i took that what i was doing competitively in basketball and taking that energy now i put it back into my writing so now it's kind of like i rediscovered my art always an artist never stopped always took art classes in school always got straight a's in art can't speak for everything else but oh you know always <laughs> always took you know some type of painting class or i was always doing art so i always did that but i never really studied it because like johnny said we natural artists i never really had to s- study art like Out the womb. yeah we we, yes. we create so so now i have all this time so now it's like i find my way getting back to my art so now i take all what i was doing on the court as far as how competitive you know i wanted to be or how disciplined i was i wasn't the best athlete i was definitely the good teammate you know what i mean i practiced hard i definitely started you know what i'm saying but i wasn't <laughs> a lot of my boys went d1 some made it to the league like i wasn't that i was decent i held my own <laughs> but you know, I was I was always a very disciplined cat. You know what I mean? I, I I'm you know disciplined, focused, always worked hard in practice. So I just took that energy into my writing, and that's when I really, really started studying writing. I started reading Shakespeare in high school. I started reading a lot of Nikki Giovanni, Langston Hughes, just 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 doing that, just reading a lot of it, trying to. My earlier stuff sound very much so like Langston Hughes on a page. I very much so wanted to sound like Black Ice and all the people I was looking at, and that and that's what started it, man. So I was kind of living this double life in high school. You know what I mean? I was going to school during the day and then literally at night i'm going to dc i'm sneaking into clubs because i'm not old enough to be in there because they selling liquor and whatever and i'm I'm sneaking into clubs but i started getting a rep in dc because i was known as the young kid my stage name was pinnacle and 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 that's what i was starting to be known as but i started really getting known because i was so much younger than everybody else and it was cool because when i when they saw me they was like oh yo let him in he's good you know what i mean he can rock the mic whatever the case may be so i was kind of living this double life until i got to college and then I decided to go to study acting because now I'm bit by the bug. I want to act. I want to perform. I want to take it serious. The goal was to always do that for TV and film. And it was like, yo, if you want to do that for film, you got to learn how to act on the stage first. Cause that's where the real, the real acting goes on. You know, if you really consider yourself a performer, you got to learn theater. So that's when I went to school to study theater, because if I didn't study that or something to keep me in there, I would have probably dropped out. 
It's interesting because it sounds like a roadblock, essentially a thing that would have made a lot of people stop and say, man, fuck this. Uh, I can't do anything. Da, 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 da. It actually energized you in a sense. 100%. Like you were able to redirect your energy to now a creative endeavor as opposed to something that was like athletic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you ended up at Frostburg, yeah, yep. right? Frostburg State University. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how was that? Frostburg is white as fuck. <laughs> like that's that's a white white. Like that is... <laughs> I, I've drove. I've driven through there. That's Trump country. For well, that formerly was still Trump country at this point. Yeah, it was Bush country back then. Yeah, <laughs> yes, very much so. I didn't know where Frostburg was, brother. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, you know. Oh, that drive in must have been no, 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 as fuck, no, no seriously. So, are, so my, my college story, in a nutshell, I didn't really apply to a lot of schools. I didn't plan on going. My goal was I was tired of Maryland. I'm moving back to New York at 18. I'm becoming a star. I'm going to hit the streets. I'm, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to take over the poetry scene. I'm going to audition. You know what I mean? Like, that's my mindset. So that summer before college, I came back to New York and I was auditioning with Johnny, you know, around with my father and made it into no school, no auditions. Didn't know what I was doing. I was very green, knew nothing about acting. So pretty much I fell on my face. I had planned to go to Seton Hall. I got into Seton Hall, actually. I don't know why. That was like my dream school between like Seton Hall and Syracuse. I think it was more so because of basketball. <laughs> um, so I got into Seton Hall. It was too expensive. And the financial aid wouldn't have covered my tuition. So I remember going to the orientation and leaving, me and my moms. Because once they started talking those numbers, I looked at my mom like, yo, we, yeah, I knew, I knew we couldn't afford that. So I was like, we can just leave. So I left orientation. So at that point, I'm like, yo, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to school. My guidance counselor in high school, he actually sat on the board at Frostburg. So I think he helped me fill out the application because I wasn't going to do it. He was like, oh, Frostburg, you'll be a good candidate there. They'll, they'll take you. I'll write your letter of recommendation, all of that. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. Not even knowing where Frostburg was. And of course, my mother, Johnny knows, she's like, you're not sitting in the house. You're not working. You're going to school. You're not sitting, you're not sitting in my house. So and that is the beauty, beauty of right, the black she like, she, right there. She right. like, you're not sitting in the house. Call Frostburg or whatever it's called. See how much the dorms are. I remember calling the dorms. I think at the time, I think the deposit was maybe like 300, 350, which was a lot. You know what I mean? So I called my mom. She never paid $350 so quick in my life. She's like, oh, I'm paying, I'm paying right now. So she's like, you going. So I'm like, so so that's how I got to Frostburg. So got the dorm or whatever. And like you, like you said, Hugh, that that first drive up to Frostburg, I'm like, where am I going? Like literally my head hanging out the window. Like this is where I'm about to go to school. If you look off in the distance, even though it's summer, you still see snow in the mountains. You know what I'm saying? So I'm yeah. like, yo, this is, so wow. if, if, um, Frostburg, right. So yeah. So I ended up at Frostburg, but, but to be honest, bro, you know, I would not be here if I didn't go to Frostburg, you know what I'm saying? And I, right. and now I would never take that experience back. I, I love my university, the good and the bad, you know what I'm saying? We're very prideful of, 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 of going there and anybody that went there, I think we share that same kind of connection. Can you expound, uh, expound on that? Like how did Frostburg specifically increase your output as far as being an artist or, um, or, or change your mission as an artist, like how did what was Frostburg? So, so, so for so for me, one, I think anybody knows that if you go to college, that's the first time you 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 away from home. Um, if if you you know go away to college and stay you know stay on campus, so so it's like you're growing up. That's the first time you feel like you a man, right? You know, responsibility. You you handling your own bills. It's it's, it's a higher sense of uh, independence that comes in. Number one, just for college. Period. Two, I'm I'm coming off the momentum of DC. You know what I mean? So I'm coming off the momentum and now I'm taking all that momentum and what I learned my performance, I take it to Frostburg because I was going to take that wherever I went. 
So now it's like, cool, like I'm a, I'm a performer. I'm doing this. I'm coming wherever I'm going. I'm trying to take over, you know, whatever the case may be. So that I took that energy of what I was created in DC for that three years I was performing all around the city and I just took it to Frostburg, which is crazy. Cause then now the, you know, the people that was coming under me in DC, they started becoming bigger because I kind of left like that hole. So like the next, the next kind of younger people was coming under me. You know what I mean? So like if I would have went to Howard, it would have been crazy. I should have went. Johnny tried to get me there. That's a separate story. But yeah, you fucked I, up. I'm going to tell you, you know, that right now. But, what, <laughs> you, you didn't fuck up. Like no, clearly I, it worked no, out for you, but you, you know, know, you fucked up. Love Howard. Yeah. You know, everybody knows that. <laughs> he definitely pulled up many, many, many times. Many, many times. You know, uh, yeah. Howard is definitely like my second home. Like to this day, I literally have to convince people that I didn't go to Howard. Like it's funny because I never, I never, I don't false claim. I was like, oh, I spent a lot of time at Howard. You know, I love Howard, right. but people are like, you didn't, you didn't graduate. I'm like, nah, I didn't graduate from Howard. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, John, I was there a lot, but, um, yeah, and I just took that energy, uh, 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 to Frostburg, man, and I just had that mentality, like, yo, like, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to take over, you know, as far as performing goes, you know what I mean? I was in the middle of nowhere, so I just kind of took that energy up there when I got up there, not realizing that there was such a, a heavy black population that I didn't know. Of course, you know, it wasn't, you know, percentage-wise, it wasn't huge, but, you know, since we was up there, it was kind of like a, we band together, so to speak, because we're right. in the middle of nowhere. Like there, there right. is no, right. there survive. is no, I'm going home for the weekend. Like Frostburg, we didn't yeah. do that. Number one, we was having all the fun, but it was so far out. It's not like, oh, I'm going home for the weekend. It was like, no, we went home for Thanksgiving, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, uh, You're not hopping on a Chinatown nah, bus cr cr Christmas, cr Christmas <laughs> break in summer. And, and Frostburg was so crazy at that time. You didn't want to miss nothing. It was no like oh, you go home and then the, the most epic party or whatever situation would happen. So, 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 so for me, like we was up there and we all band together, not saying we all liked each other, not saying we was all best friends, but you know, when it came down to it, we, we definitely looked out for each other. We didn't want, you know, we, we wanted e each other to be good. So, so, so in that sense, Frost Frostburg, you know, um, did that for me and I know we're going to get into it, but if I didn't go to Frostburg, and at times, if I didn't feel a part of or displaced, I would have never wrote the play. Mm -hmm. So that's why I said if I would have went to Howard, you know, who knows? Of course, I would have loved Howard, you know, more or less. I, I think I would have been the same person, you know, different experiences. Mm -hmm. But at mm -hmm. Howard, there, I might not have felt a need to write my play. Because I would have right, right. fell in. I would have been in the fine arts department. We would have been doing all the mm -hmm. black work. And, you know, mm -hmm. I would have known more about, you know, the black playwrights at that time, which it wasn't a lot. Because now we're talking mm -hmm. 15, 16 years ago. But I felt there was a need, not only in Frostburg, but just in general of what I was exposed to, to, to add my play to that canon. So um, I can't take back Frostburg. And I, and I loved it. I had the time of my life. No, Some of my closest friends in life come from Frostburg. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. so let's let's backtrack yeah, yeah. here, right? Because I'm, I just want to continue to like add on to this block. Sure, thing. sure. You got cut from your basketball team, oh, yeah, yeah, which yeah. originally this is this is my dream. I'm gonna be a baller. Yeah. Psych, nah. Life had a different <laughs> right, plan, right? right. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> then you're like, all right, yo, I'm hitting the scene in DC. I'm about to be an actor. I'm gonna be big as fuck. 18 years old, moving to New York, about to live in the studio apartment. Move, move back to New York. Hit yeah, these yeah, auditions, yeah. and once again, <laughs> shut down. Uh -huh. Shut uh -huh. down. Like it, it ain't uh -huh. happening. Which is a humbling ass experience. Yeah. Then you're like not getting into the schools that you want to, or you get into schools that not uh, they're too expensive and not affordable, right? Another block. There are a lot of points where people would have stopped. There are a lot of points where people would have gave up. And it's interesting because I, I'm 
this you say that Frostburg is where you started to really find your place in the world as a colored man <laughs> or a black person, mm-hmm. right? And the fact that this, like now, it led to the formation of this play that, you know, now is, let's call it what it is. It's your life's work. 15 years as a 30-something-year-old man, mm-hmm. like, that's a long-ass time. Like, yeah. aside from shitting, I haven't been doing anything mm-hmm. for this yeah. long, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, t- tell us uh, about, like, what led towards the formation of the play. We know that it's inspired by Frostburg and maybe, like, a sense of displacement or it's, it's, kind it's, of a, a double it's, down it's not, sense it's of not, identity. Um, I'll, I'll break that down a little more. It's not inspired by Frostburg. For, for me, I've always had a different outlook. You know, Johnny knows, you know, we, we, we grew up in a project, but Queens is the most diverse borough. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we lived in a yes, we lived is. in the projects, but when we went to school, we went to school with everything. You know what I'm saying? We Italian, Ita- Jewish people, everything, Korean, Asian people from all, all, yeah, all over. Like, like if, East if, Indian, yeah, West if, Indian. No, no, like literally. If you all, looked at yeah. our, our class photos from back then, it, it's like right. United Nations. Like it's Action Bronson. Like, yeah, 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 we went, yeah. Listen, I, I grew up in Queens Village. Like I definitely. Oh, yeah, oh my, my fault. I, I know where you was from. Same like, shit. Yeah, yeah. Nah, you know, it's it's all good. It's all good. It is the same shit. My shit is the yeah. UN, so so you know, like. so so we know. You know what I mean? So so for me, and then I then I moved down to Maryland. It was it was very black and white, and that was my first time that I I, I saw or experienced overt racism because we know it's everywhere. Yeah. But in, in Queens, I'm like, yo, we we all the same. Projects here, school right there. Like, okay, we all the same. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we had our project experience and and our lived experience, but in our minds. I, I think it was very normal, right? Until you get older and look yeah. back like, oh, we saw this, we saw that. So for me, it's like, yeah. I always saw all people, you know what I mean? Like legit. And and, and I'm not like, right. oh, I'm colorblind. Not not that type of shit. But I'm talking about like, literally we saw all type of people, all type of food. I thank Queens all, for that. No, no, that, that I love it. All, all, all type of languages. Yo, yeah. It's not it's not foreign to us. You know what I mean? It's it's not yeah. foreign at all. So, so then, so I say that to say, and then with Frostburg, with how that percentage lays, I never went to an all black anything. You know what I mean? I didn't go to an HBCU. You know, I didn't go to a high school that was all black or a middle school, whatever the case may be. So I've I've always had a different outlook and I've always had a lot of different experiences as a young black man. You know what I mean? Living in the projects, living in the suburbs, and then now now going to school in the mountains. So I've I've lived in pretty much the three main environments you can live in. So so my experience and outlook as a black man and how we've had to navigate, there's a different type of survival that you have to do when you live in the projects and then when you go to school in the mountains. Both survival, but you got to do it in different ways and put on top of that now being a young black man. So so I've, I've always had that. In, in my program, which I loved, I loved my theater program, my professors, they loved me, they, they taught me this, the skill of acting and they believed in me and my voice. You know what I mean? At that time, now 15, 16 years ago, there wasn't as much black work in the canon of theater. Now with my peers, I can ramble them off, right? You got, you know, you got Jeremy O'Harris, you have Dominique Morriso, you got Katori Hall, um, you got Michael R. Jackson, you got Donye Love. There's, there's a there's a lot of playwrights I can name that have come to in those last 15 years. Not to say that they didn't exist or they wasn't doing anything 15 years ago, but in the canon of American theater, there wasn't black work. There was Intozaki, which is for colored girls, and then there was August Wilson, if you was reading August Wilson. And then, of course, you know, Raisin in the Sun, right? Which is like the classic work that everybody knows. You read it in high school English. But other than that, there's no work. And even August. August is a god, right? He's one of the pillars of theater, period. Black or white. But he comes from a different generation. If you you read August Wilson, all his characters, the, the ages that they're at and the age that August Wilson are is from... It's from military. You know what I mean? It's from 
World War One, World War Two. You know, he he was he was from the jazz era. You know what I mean? So when you read his work, you've met you very much so probably will see your grandfather, right? Like your great uncles, yeah, yeah. you'll see your grandfather, but you won't necessarily see yourself in that way. You see aspects of yourself from your ancestors. Exactly. But you won't see you won't see this generation. So for me, I'm right. reading this work in college. They like, oh, this this is the great, these are the great American plays. David Mamet, you know. Um, Henry Ibsen and, and Chekhov and all of this. I'm like, yo, that's cool. They're they're phenomenal. But where am I at? They don't these right. these characters don't sound like me. They don't look like me. They not we, we, you know there was there was no characters from the 80s, from the 90s. The you know what I mean. What I knew and and sure enough, there was no contemporary plays of the 2000s. Like that didn't exist yet. It it does mm-hmm. now. But now we're talking 15, 16 years ago. So now I'm I'm reading this work. And for me as an artist. I'm like, yo, I, I want to create what I want to see. It's simple as that. I didn't write it like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna do these great things with the play. Listen, I'm an I'm an actor in school and I'm a poet. I call myself a rapper too, right? So all of those things. So I'm not seeing myself as a playwright. Never had no desire to be a playwright. If anything, I wanted to screenwrite. So my boys in the program, you know, I have boys from Baltimore, from DC, you know, I was coming from Southern Maryland by way of New York. So I wanted to kind of write our experience to the point where if we was on stage, we didn't have to change ourselves. We could, we could be all unauthentic, um, um, unapologetically, Authentically. Unapologetically. Sorry, try to okay, mix both of those words you. together. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> black, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, yo, let yeah. me create something where I create characters that speak like us. So if you got on stage, you don't got to do no dialect work. You don't got to change the way you walk. You could be your black self. And that was the origins yeah. of me writing this play. And I felt like that being in an environment of Frostburg. So the play is not inspired by Frostburg, but I felt a need to create this work because I went to Frostburg. Like I said, if I went to a Howard, I might not have felt that need. I'm like, yo, sh- were, everything black. Yeah. I'm I'm good. This is the mecca. You know what I mean? You were filling in a void at Frostburg I was feeling, by putting your culture exactly, front and, and it was more so like a void within myself and then the small black community that I knew that was on campus that existed. You know what I'm saying? So it was like it was like I was operating in that bubble. So I was going to theater, I was doing my acting classes and all of that. But once I once I left my classes, that was it for theater for me. I'm I'm back in my my bubble where we kind of all came together as a community. So I was I was filling that void culturally for me. And um in school, I started writing it. My roommates knew about it. My boys in my program knew, but it was not once again, nothing I publicized. So at the time, I had my own open mic show. I was a host of an open mic show in Frostburg, which was which was became a super dope thing. Like it was a Thursday night. I did the I did the show. My boy Shug, he did the after parties. It was like our night in Frostburg. Shout out to Shug. So it, it was a good night. Like we would I would do my thing on the stage. Shug would set up the little after party situations. And that's what we did for 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 a few years up in Frostburg. So at that time now Shug was my roommate at one point. So he sees me writing a play. You know, and I, I would tell him about the ideas and what I was naming the characters, but it was something I kept kind of close to the chest. Come to my senior year, know I'm about to graduate. I think the play is good enough at the time. And I'm like, yo, I, I kind of want to go out with a bang. You know what I mean? Like, so I presented it to my theater department and they loved me. I loved them. I was like, hey, I got this project I've been working on. I know I'm not on the directing track, but you know, can, can I have the, can I have the, the, the studio theater for, for a couple of nights? They was like, they was like, so we went through the calendar. They looked, we picked the dates. They was like, oh, you can have these two dates. It's between our shows that we're doing. We'll give you the space. And, you know, you got to, you kind of have to figure out everything else, right? Like we don't have no budget for it. 
the faculty is tied up with the other shows that are, you know, because I'm thinking like, oh yeah, do my show, but not realizing they plan the season a year before, you know what I'm saying? So there's no money, no nothing. And I'm like, okay, so now I, I start to, I start to become all these other things out of necessity because I just wanted to write it and see it. You know what I mean? Right. So now I'm like, all right, cool. So there's nobody that's going to uh, fulfill this vision. I got to be the director. No money. So now I'm like, all right, cool. Well, I don't perform for everybody on campus. I was the guy, like, if, if an artist came in, if some, I opened up for them. So, like, whoever came to campus, a lecturer, The Roots, um, um, Nikki Giovanni. I was at that show that you had when Kanye pulled oh, up. I wanted oh, yeah, to talk yeah, we'll about definitely that talk too. about that. So, uh, that. so yeah, so so now I'm like, all right, cool. All my boys, they, they're presidents of organizations now. So let me go to MPHC. Let me go to Black Student Alliance and ask for some money. Not knowing, now I'm a, I'm a producer. You know what I'm saying? So now I'm, you know... N light money, $50 here, $100 here, nothing, nothing crazy. You know, I think the first play was done off a budget of like $800 or something like that. And that was enough for the nice. posters, the t-shirts, um, props, you know, what I'm, some pizza, you know, right, 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 right. <laughs> some pizza for rehearsal, you know, most of it went to alcohol. <laughs> like well, yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, so yeah. So, and then now I'm, now I'm putting on all these hats out of necessity. You know what I mean? I'm putting up the posters on campus. So now, now, now I'm getting into marketing. And, 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 ad, and ad agency stuff. So really, I'm just doing this like, yo, whatever I need to do to get it done. You know what I mean? So, and then that, that's when I premiered Thoughts of a Colored Man um, for the first time, uh, 2009, February. And it went crazy. It, 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 right. it, it went crazy. Three souls. I want to yeah. talk about this because I've seen the show. I saw it when it was off Broadway. I've heard about it a hundred times because I've obviously known you my whole life. So I remember when you was getting it off the yeah, floor. Yeah. I remember when it was blowing up in the in the college mm -hmm. world and you was going on different. You even went to Howard mm -hmm, with it. I, believe, mm -hmm. I did. I did. Yeah, remember. you went all over the schools with it. You was really on your uh, Tyler yeah, for Perry sure. That, that's who I was following. I'm like, yo, Tyler did it. I could do it straight up. That, that that's right. exactly the, the the model I was following. But but the the thing that I wanted to touch on is you were talking about contemporary black people in your shows yeah. and, and characters that were based on. Um, how people are today. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I think initially, um, I, and, and I could be completely wrong, but someone, uh, the layman who doesn't know your show, have never heard of it or anything, and sees the title, Thoughts of a Colored Man, they're thinking, oh, this is like some August Wilson type of like, you know, uh, antiquity black mm -hmm. story, mm -hmm. but it's really contemporary. It's super, really super about the type of black people yeah. we see today, the type of black people we grew up 100%. as. Um, and it's, it's a great bridge between the August Wilson black experience story that you see and, and, and we revere and, and, and it, it just bridges that gap in a way where it's just, it's phenomenal and contemporary in a way that is rarely seen in theater. 100%. We, we touched on that. So how, once, once the play started picking up and, and taking you different places and stuff, how did you warp that story into, um, into what it is today. How did you, what, what pieces, where did you, where did you take those pieces? Like, where were you inspired to create the story? Because I know a lot of it may have been, uh, I, I know you're a sneaker guy and I don't want to say too much about the yeah. show. So there's, there's a lot of, you know, there's some, some, some talk in there about some, some sneakers and there's some talk in there about some of the experiences that as a black man I've had, did you pull from your own experiences to, to tell the story or was it you looking around? Was it you looking at yeah, the people around both, you? Both, because you know, <clears throat> There's a little bit of my DNA in in in, in all of the characters, right? Like mm -hmm. like they have my sensibilities, but really it's from lived experience, and it's from what I saw. Like you said, like you know, 
it, it's 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 me watching my grandfather. You know what I mean? It's me watching you. It's me watching a best friend. It's me watching um that cat I might just walk walk past in the street. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 all of that. It's it's myself. And 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 that's what made it so contemporary because I wanted to create a, a contemporary piece of work. And we are at that age where we are contemporary. So pulling from my own lived experiences, yeah. in a, if that's why if you watch the play, you if you was, you know, you know, likened to myself, if you was born in the 80s. You're going to share those same references that I speak about in the 90s. You're going to feel those same cartoons. You're going to feel those same musical artists I mentioned. You're going you're gonna to feel those same pair of sneakers I mentioned because it's it's of now. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And like, you know, for example, one of the scenes, which I love, you know, it's it's, it's earlier in the, in, in the play. So enough people have seen it for me to talk about it. But spoiler alert, just in case. Right. No, no. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, and I won't say what it's about, but it's, it's about it's it's one of my characters works in a grocery store. And yeah. I created that scene because I worked in a grocery store. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. Like, you know, I worked at uh, two different grocery stores. So, so that's what I mean by lived experience. Like, you know, um, coming out of college, you know, now we lost, we lost our house while I was in college. So now my mom lives in a one bedroom apartment. So I'm coming home from college degree. I'm sleeping on the couch and I come out during a recession we all did, right? So now yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. yo, y'all didn't tell me this. Y'all told me to get my degree. Right. I should be rich. You know what I'm saying? Right. So exactly, we come out yeah. in a recession and no jobs, as y'all know, no jobs. So the only job I was able to get at the time was the grocery store, not knocking the grocery store at all. You know what I mean? I was working at a grocery store and, and for me, I was, I was, I was depressed. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yo, like I'm thinking like, yo, I'm about to be, you know, I'm about to get on. I'm about to be a star. I'm putting my four years. I put in my work. I did this, 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 the play was popping in college. So I'm like, yo, so in my mind that translated to success. So now, mm-hmm. so to, to be able to cope with that time, I wrote how I was feeling in the grocery store. And I, and I put that literally in my play and I put that into that character. So there's many, many instances in the play where I did that. So, so that like spaceships, like Kanye, right? Exactly. The, the, you know, him working in retail, you know what I'm saying? So that's exactly yeah. what I did. And, and that was my therapy. Like, like, all right, yo, this is, this is, this is my experience right now. This is, this is, uh, what I'm living. Yo, I got, I got to write about it in a way. And, 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 that's what every part of this play kind of does, right? You know, there's plenty of conversations I've had with my boys and I'm like, yo, that's interesting. People don't know, people don't know that, you know, there's, 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 there's a, there's a portion in, in, in a piece that I, that I write that very uh, much so mimics my relationship with one of my best friends that's been in and out of prison most of our life. You know what I mean? So th- those mm-hmm. are things, you know, we talk mass incarceration. We, we talk the rate of how black, black and brown people are being um, incarcerated, but we don't talk about the people really that's on the outside of that relationship or, or how you keep those people uplifted. So I wanted to write about that. You know what I mean? It's, it's so, 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 Important. right. So every, everything in a play has a, has a place and reason. So to answer your question, I took a lot from my, my own uh, lived experience and I, I took a lot from, from, from family and friends. A lot of people's like, oh, who did you have to interview to do this? I'm like, interview, I know these men. All these men Talk I wrote, <laughs> I know all of these men and you should know, right. and you know them too. You know what I mean? Whether you pay attention yeah, to yeah. them or not. So, so pretty much that, that's, that's how, that's how I did that. Uh, all right. Just thinking of, about um, art in general, right? Especially as a black person, art, joy, all those senses of, of expression are acts of rebellion, right? Because it's for a long time where we haven't been able to really, or ever really be in a place where we can be 
ourselves truly, right? And a lot of your your play, it seems like, goes towards the heart of that, where you're showing a very authentic, unfiltered, unashamed version of, well, not version, but the reality of, of what it's like to be Black, mm-hmm. right? And I know that my, myself personally growing up, as we uh, go into all these different spaces, we're having to morph and find different parts of ourselves yeah. where you, essentially you have multi, a bunch of identities because the foot's on your neck. You can't express yourself too much. One of the interesting parts, I haven't seen the play yet. I'm definitely going to see it October 1st. Got my tickets. I'm For ready sure. to go. Same. But uh, one of the things that I did learn about the play is that the character names are all, so it's like happy. Am I yeah, right, yeah. right so, about happy so the, wisdom? Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk to us about that? Because it sounds like, you know, all these expressions. States of, of like, beans. Not yeah. Just, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Talk um, to us about that. So so the characters are uh, uh, happiness, wisdom, love, lust, anger, passion, and depression. I did that for the reason of, one, we've all heard it. Men don't know how to express themselves. Don't express themselves. <laughs> don't open up. Yeah. And I think times that by 10 with black men because of what we've had to go through, especially if you want to talk about being a black American in this country. So for me, being emotional and being able to articulate my my emotions and feelings, that wasn't odd to me. You know what I mean? I'm a poet. So I did that and I watched many, many, many of men do that on stage. So for me, being emotional in that way, you know, being able to articulate it in a story wasn't foreign to me. So for me, I was like, you know what? What if I created characters that were actually these emotions and states of beings themselves? What if I was to personify them as human beings? And and how dope would it be if I showed what would it look like if love and lust had a conversation? You know what I mean? If, if wisdom was yeah. to talk to anger, what would that look like? Yeah. But also show that we are not just these one things. And that's what the that's what the play is about. As black men, we have been painted as monoliths. You know what I mean? So for me, I wanted to show the spectrum. So I wanted to show you these labels, these stereotypes, but then show you a totally, completely layered, complex human being that we all are, right? So for me, I wanted to show you love, which you know, you would think like, oh, okay, love is it's is 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 this, is that, it's perfect, but showing you that, you know, love isn't perfect. You know, showing you that, you know, happiness isn't always happy. You know what I mean? So so that's why I wanted to do that and, that and 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 show that in a very nuanced and complex way. So that's why I gave the characters those titles. Dope. Damn. Yeah. So dope. Doing the work that we're trying to do right now with this show, you know, which is which is awesome. Like to see that alignment of like what your goals were and what we're doing with Black Men Ain't Shit. So it's just really dope to like be reaffirmed like yes we're all trying to show layered more complex versions of who we actually are our inner lives because there's so much of misconceptions about what black men think and how they feel and um it's really good to see people doing that work in other worlds yeah you know? for sure have you always uh, given the fact that you were a poet or you are a poet sorry but you started off as a poet and clearly like art has taken a very important place in your life has it always been easy to express yourself? Absolutely, absolutely not. I would say it came easier to me in writing. That's why I did it so much. You know what I mean? Um, verbally, no, not at all. I, I wouldn't say anything. I would hold it all in. And I think that's what made me a better writer. And that's why I wrote so much because that was my outlet, um, which I know was a lot of people's outlet, but that was my outlet um, to let those emotions out. And then once I knew that I was good with words, 
because I had to overcompensate because in English, I was never really good in school. You know what I mean? Um, I always, always, always struggled in English. Um, I'm actually dyslexic. So a lot of times the way I process information is different. So the way I started being able, how, how I put words together and how I use literary devices in my poetry was a little different. You know what I'm saying? So once I realized I could do that better than my classmates, then I was like, oh, I'm going to keep on doing it. And then that, that became my outlet, um, for, for me to be able to let my emotions go because I wasn't able, I didn't have to verbally say it. And at a young age, you know what I mean? You don't have to, you know, now at this age, I got to, right. I'm married. I got, right. I got, yeah. you know, I, I gotta be transparent. I gotta, you know, ex express myself as best way as possible to, to, you know, to my wife. But you know, when you were a teenager, you know, you really don't got to say nothing that you don't want to really. So for me, that all came out in my writing. Funny you bring this up. Funny you bring up being married. I, I really want We really touch on relationships yeah. a lot. Some people think that our podcast is only about relationships, which obviously it's not. You're a playwright. Yeah, yeah. Like, clearly it's not. But we do like to touch on um, relationships because let's go back to the misconception of black men and that we're promiscuous and that we're all like you. <laughs> what the fuck? I, what? <laughs> what kind of transition was that? You just gonna I was looking at me? you when I said it too. I was like, let me, let me throw this at him real quick. I'm going to spit yeah, my you know, water out, you motherfucker. They all think we're womanizers yeah. or that we're single guys. Even if we're in relationships, we're out here trying to do yeah. what we do. And um, I've been, you know, I, I've been um, in a family of, you know, a father and mother that have been married for 30 plus yeah. years. And a lot of the people around me are married and are happily married and they're black and they have children and all how has that changed you? How has marriage changed you? First off, briefly, just tell us how you how you even um, knew that marriage was the right role for you or the right thing for you to do. And how has that changed your art? How has marriage and being close to a woman changed the way you tell stories for black people? For me, marriage, I, I don't know. It's, it's something I always thought that I would do. Like I said, I've always been a very uh, dedicated focused and committed person to anything I did. And for me, and that's not to say that I'm perfect in doing all of those things, but for me, cause she's listening. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, but she will hear this though. But for me, I have that philosophy of if you're not doing right or you messing up or you're not dedicated in one part of your life, it could bleed to all aspects of your life. So for me, it's like, oh, if I'm going to be focused on my craft, I'm going to be focused on work. I need to be focused on a committed relationship if I'm entering into that, you know what I'm saying? So for me, if, or when you want that longevity, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, marriage is inevitably that path. Not saying everybody has to be married because, you know, people do what they want to do to each his own. But for me, I knew that that was going to be in a path of, of, of commitment. And that's what I wanted. Um, so for me, you know, growing up, I didn't see a lot of successful marriages, but for, for me, I always thought that would be something for me. Um, I saw my sister do it way before me. My, my sister been married for what, 12, 13 years at this point. So way before me. So that's something I, you know, I, I always wanted if it came my way and it did, you know what I'm saying? Um, with, with my wife being married, uh, honestly made me a better man and not in a cheesy, corny cliche way. Right. I feel like <laughs> when, 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 when you, when you meet a soul partner, you're committed and you're committed in doing the best you can in that relationship, it forces you to hold a mirror to yourself, right? Your, your partner and or your situation turns into that mirror for you to look into yourself to be like, oh shit, I'm fucked up in these areas. Oh, I got trauma in these areas. Oh, this is some shit I never talked about in all of these things. So when you unearth those things and you're able to uh, mend and heal from those things, from looking in that mirror really at yourself, 
that's what makes you a better person. So that's why I say me personally, marriage has made me a better person because it's made me hold a mirror to aspects of myself that I might've ignored that didn't think was that bad that I, that, that I didn't think existed, but no, they do. And it's real and it's there. It's under the surface and vice versa. It should go both ways. Right. But talking about myself and putting it on me right now, marriage and being in this committed relationship, which is the longest committed relationship I've ever been in. It's it, it it has allowed me to hold a mirror to myself because in that you're not going to be perfect and you're going to have to look into that mirror and face yourself, which is the hardest thing. Facing your mate is super, super hard, super hard, but facing yourself is even harder. You know what I'm saying? So that's what marriage did for me. So when doing so, as I've become a better man and been able to hold the mirror to myself. It it, it it serves for better art just as simple as that you know what i'm saying art art a lot of times comes 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 from unhealed wounds you know what i'm saying it's like you you yeah. you dig into those things so you can hopefully give other people healing or other people right. some sense of relatability to say wow i'm not the only one or oh i experienced right. that too because if any great story you think of it's relatable you know what i mean it's real it's raw and it's it's imperfect and 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 that and that's what has happened with my sensibilities and my storytelling since, you know, being married or just being in this relationship for a while now. It's been years. I think we've been together for like six, seven years now. So, um, so, so, so that's what being married has done for me. How has fatherhood changed you? Because, you know, I don't want to get too deep into your story, whatever you want right, to right, tell, right. feel comfortable with telling, but I know like, you know, you're a father, you do the things that fathers do. So like, how has that impacted you as a person? Um, what is it? What, what, what veil, well, cause he was a father. We always talk about, you know, Hugh's story stories as a father. I've I've been there since day one when he found out. I'm obviously not. So like I'm looking at you guys like like what type of changes happened in your lives when fatherhood became a thing? Because everyone gets more you're focused already. Yeah. You're putting on shows, you're doing that shit. A lot of people don't get focused until they have right, kids. Right, 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 right. So you were already there and I just wanted to hear how that mentally changed. Even more. So so to say my situation, you know, um, I inherited my daughter from my wife's previous, you know, relationship. So technically by term, I'm I'm the stepfather, but but right. but that's why I like to say, you know, um I inherited my daughter as a gift. And for me, um, my wife and my daughter came at the same time. So for me, I knew that was, you know, that was the package deal. That's what that's what I was um stepping into, which I was uh, more than okay with doing, you know what I mean? Not to say that I thought it would be easy, but that's what I knew I was being, you know, stepping into, you know, falling in love with my wife and knowing that her and my daughter, you know, were together. So for me, it made me more focused, you know what I'm saying? Fatherhood, you know, it's, it's, it's a different, uh, uh, mindset you have to have when somebody's, um, relying on you or dependent on you. You know what I mean? And that's not to say that my wife don't work because she does. She has her own business. But it's different when, you, when, when you're when you the head of the household, if you believe in that order and, and how much pressure that is, it changes you mentally. It's a different focus. So like you said, I've already been focused. I've already been working hard, but it's a different type of focus. And it makes your decisions that more detrimental if you don't make the right decision. And that ripple effect is different. Like you, you can fuck up all you want on your own and it's like, all right, cool. Yo, I, right, you know, whatever. I lost that bag, fumbled that bag is gone. I'm broke. I'm eating noodles. That's cool. Cool. But now when you think like, okay, this decision can now force my wife and my daughter to eat noodles, you don't want that. You know what I'm saying? So so it's a different type of laser focus and calculation of 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 how to move to make sure that they're okay. And and you know, like that old school saying, make sure you got that roof over your head, you know, make sure you got food on the table. It's a different type of it's a different type of focus. And that's what fatherhood did for me. It's definitely in a lot of ways 
has forced me um, in a beautiful way to, to, to bring more of my sensibilities to the table, to be more sensitive, having a daughter that's a teenager that's going through all those ta- mm-hmm. those changes to, mm-hmm. to, to be, be able to allow my sensitivities to show more, uh, to not be as guarded. Cause I think as, as men were guarded as black men were even more guarded because that's the way we have to be. Cause everything for us, I feel always goes back to survival. Um, so being able to know that you have to let that wall down, let that guard down, you know what I mean? So, so that's what fatherhood and having a daughter, you know, did, did, did for me, which also influences my walk of life and my art, right? Because now somebody's really watching you. Like when you have a partner, y'all both grown, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, do the right thing, be committed to each other. But when you have a child, they're, they're really looking at you. They're listening to everything right. you say. Like, right. like even when you're not realizing. Not even, I'm talking about every, very yeah, yeah, every period, every comma, like they're listening. Like this right. ain't your partner. It was like, yeah, 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 whatever. Like I'm not listening. No, no, no. Your kids is right. listening. You know what I mean? Right. So, so it's that part. So now it's like, now you're mindful of everything you do. Still being yourself, of course, but you just, you really, really mindful of, of, of everything you do. So, so fatherhood has done that for me. So as a husband, as a father, like there are different, a lot of different places where you're drawing motivation uh, to continue on your path or even just like make sure that your voice is uh, even more clear. Uh, and the story that you're kind of putting in, out into the world is, uh, has more power to it. Since each of these characters were named after, you know, different feelings, so depression, happiness, wisdom. For you yourself, what has been the greatest motivating factor? Like, was it happiness? Was it depression? Was it, you know, uh, getting those doors closed on you? What, what, which one of those, or what kind of combination of those? Um, um, for, for me. Um, what was kept me going and doing what I do is 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 realizing and and I'm I'm happy to have realized what my purpose was at a at a young age, you know what I mean? And I I think when you find your purpose and really really know that like in your soul, it's it's a beautiful thing. So it's it's really me always revisiting my purpose, and I I know for a fact that my my purpose is to tell stories. You know what I'm saying? And and whether that whether my stories help heal, help grow, uplift whatever the case may be, that's, that's my purpose. And I found that at a very young age, um, like Johnny said, we were always artists. So people ask me like, Oh, how'd you become an artist? But like, I didn't, I never became a card artist. I always was like, I really can't tell you a time of, of, of without, before I was an artist, I literally was born that way. We were born that way. I can't never remember a time in my life literally not creating. And I'm not talking to quiet kids, man. Used to sit in a yeah. corner, bunch of construction paper, pens, and, and we was we was happy. I'm talking about happy. Yeah, yeah you know, me and Johnny, we had to, we had to, you know, we had the Nintendos and the Genesis, and we right. had the action we figures played that. all day, all day. But and I'm not talking about like kid creativity. All kids are creative. I'm talking about like really like focus and like yo, I'm trying to tell a story. I'm creating a character. I've always done that. I don't know a life without it. So as I got older, knowing like yo, this this really is my purpose. You know what I mean? And that's what really kept me going. And trust me, like you said, all the things. There was plenty of times I could have stopped, bro. I, I've done quit and gave up a thousand times. You know what I'm saying? But it's always getting to that point where it's like, but you gonna give up on your purpose though? Because if you if you stop this, what else you gonna do? And I've done other things. I've had plenty of jobs. Um, I was I was a teacher for many years. You know, I, I did I did retail. I name it. I did it. You know. But for me, it's always getting back to. But this is your purpose. How are you gonna give up on your purpose? You know what I mean? And I always get some type of confirmation, whether it's a message, whether it's a call, a text, 
you know, an audience member, something gets said to me to, to make me realize like, yo, this really is my purpose. And, and, and this is just what it is. Good, bad, or ugly. This is what I'm, you know, this is what I'm going to do. Okay. So I saw the show off Broadway. The show is on Broadway now. You, 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 you saw it. You saw it off, off, off. When you, when you, yeah, I saw yeah, it when, yeah, it, when like, it was just, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, you, you was on your way. Y'all was on your way. Yeah. But now we are here. Yeah. We are on Broadway. The um, Wednesday uh, opening night. I'm gonna let you, you know, sure, sure. So, so, um, our first preview, which is which is opening night, which is the first show, starts October first. Um, official open opening night, red carpet, all of that good things. Um, uh, uh, October thirty first, and then the show runs till March twentieth. And, and prayerfully, the way we going, the way I hope we go, I pray we go. Uh, we'll get an extension. So hopefully, you know, we'll be extended out for a couple of months. But right now, our run is October first to March twentieth. And where can people get tickets? Like, to see um, they can get tickets at thoughtsofacolorman.com. They can get all the information, all updates. You can sign up for the newsletter where you'll be updated first before everybody else. But all information is on thoughtsofacolorman.com. Listen, man, I know you my whole life. This is absolutely your purpose. This is absolutely you're on that path. And everything that's coming to you is deserved. Appreciate that, brother. You know, that's why I can't wait. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, obviously, I ain't do shit. Right, the nah, show nah, and all. Nah. You, I you made it. You made it for sure. But I feel like I made it. Like I really do. Like I feel like yo, because I've been with yeah, you yeah. from day one and watching the grind and the hustle and supporting from day one and just knowing like one day it's all gonna come together and that day feels like it passed already and yeah. now we're just moving on to yeah. the next yeah, stage, yeah, yeah. which is whatever God allows. Sure, you know what sure. I'm saying? I don't even know. So I'm just happy that it's happening. I'm happy you on our show. Yeah, thank you, brother. And you really appreciate having these real convos. Like, it's going to be really dope. And if you, I can't wait for October 1st. We in Oh, there. yeah. Listen, man. It's, it's, it's going to be a there. movie. We, we we trying to set up some situations, man. We definitely going to have, you know, uh, some some celebrations all, all off the oh, books. Oh, yeah. And... I'm, I'm picking my... I already got my fit picked out, bro. I'm laying it at the end of my yeah. bed. Like, <laughs> Yo, I don't, school, know, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm wearing yet, but it, it, it'll be something. It'll be something. Me and my girl coordinating. We like, yeah, we gonna do this. We already know, man. We cannot wait, bro. Up, it's it's five, four months, three months from now. Yo, like, you know what? So, I just did that the other day because you know I'm planning my schedule and all that. I'm like, yo, it's like three months away. Like it's it's quick. It's, it's gonna be here. Like it's, that, it is. So because all the planning and stuff I have to do is just like, it it, it it shocked me. Like oh shit, that is closer than what I I thought it was. I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait, man. I know you're gonna cry. Oh for I sure. Know you're cry. For sure. It's gonna be. I'm. I'm. There, I'm gonna. There, there will be many right, tears I'm gonna be crying crowd. all month. You know what I mean? Nah, <laughs> for sure. That's that's gonna happen. <laughs> so, like speaking of purpose, once again, every time we do this show, we want to make sure that we're using our ancient powers for good. Keenan Scott the second, you yes. sir are not an ancient ancient individual. I appreciate it. You are not. Uh, so we <laughs> we thank you for sharing the space with us. You know, too and lonely. doing the work that you do, Man, which right. is all the same work we're trying to <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, you know? Right, 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 right. So as usual, y'all can check us ne- next week. Same channel, same place. Where the fuck you stream? Whatever streaming, yeah. Did we not say enough ratchet shit today? Fuck I don't know. Shit ass done. No, we, uh, we we can keep it there. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Should, should, we, got this wholesome, right there? we got this okay. wholesome brother on the show, man. Let's try to maintain that energy. All oh, right? oh yeah, 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 yeah. My bad, my bad. I'm not trying to hit with the bag, but yeah. Once again, if y'all want to hear some ratchet, we have plenty of episodes in the past that you can yes. um, visit. We'll have more plenty coming. in the future. Mm-hmm. But today, you know, once again, thank you so much. Keenan Scott the man, I, second. Where can I they find you online? Man, uh everywhere Keenan Scott the second. On on Instagram, I'm you know, Keenan the Muse, Facebook, Keenan Scott the Second. Just type it in, stuff, stuff will come up. And I'm on Twitter too. I think Keenan yeah, the Muse as well. Support this brother, yeah. y'all. We need him. We need more like him. So let's support him. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate y'all. All right, you uh, you gonna take us out or are we just gonna 
ended that right here. That was the takeout. What you mean? Oh, damn. What you mean? Like, Sorry, you, 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 you want me to? We usually hit. We usually be like, Pigs. you know, we, we, we got a, we got a little uh, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, we. Well, the thing is, the music's already gonna be playing by the time this. Oh, is okay. So, it's like, yeah. so it's like. Ain't shit with Buddha in the beard is produced with support from PRX and the Google Podcast Creators Program.